Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we are going to tackle all things week 12 of the National Football League. We obviously have a big slate ahead. We are coming to you on a Thursday. We're going to touch a little bit on the Thanksgiving games, but for those of you listening past Thanksgiving, we also are going to tackle week 12 Sunday and Monday games as well. We're just going to kind of divvy it up. Uh, between both slates of games. As always, I am joined by my partner here, Mr. Matthew Fox. How are you? Doing pretty good. You know, they I have flooring in my entire house. They have like one day worth of work left to do, which sadly has not yet happened this week. But uh, I'm hopeful that it's close to done. You can see like I actually have some furniture back into this this office. You know, you don't hear them. Uh, like tearing our house apart. We have carpet on the stairs. It feels like the long road is coming to an end just as yours begins. Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I've got some. So if you hear any noise in the background this week, it's it's on my side this time. Uh, I guess some housework going on right now, but it hasn't been too, too loud. So I'm hoping that it's not too crazy, but obviously I might mute my mic in between not having a conversation. But um, folks, like we do every week on the show, Matthew Fox is going to go over some of his favorite games of the week. I'm going to go over my favorite bets of the week. And then, of course, we'll tie it up with our starts and sits for the week where Matthew Fox focuses on the world of fantasy football. And I kind of focus in a little bit on DFS with the with the curve of fantasy football in there as well. I'm going to give you guys a few plays in the world of Thanksgiving Make sure if you're listening to the show right now to get those in because these lines fluctuate a lot. And then on top of that, I'm going to give you my picks for Sunday, which if you're listening today, Thursday, Friday, make sure to try to get these in as soon as you can because these lines do move from the, the time that we talk about them to the to, till kickoff. These lines can move. And, of course, you want to try to get as much as you can in. So it'll be interesting to see how this week's picks land out. Last week's show, I had another Pretty six. I'm 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 on a roll right now. I'm on. A, I cannot lie. I'm on a roll. Three and one last week with my picks. Um, I have. I think I've only lost like one game in every week for like three or four weeks straight. I have been on a little bit of a roll. I'm pretty excited about it across all of fantasy. You can also follow my bets. I can't find a way to put all of my bets on Betstamp because Betstamp doesn't have certain bets. But as it sits right now for the season, I am 45 and 23 of the bets that I could place on their site, which is pretty good if you ask me but enough to my own horn and let's get right into your games of the week mr fox yeah and i'm gonna start so you know thanksgiving a lot to be thankful for in that we get three games on thanksgiving day so i'm going to give you i think my thanksgiving day game pick uh, early window late window sunday and then we'll look at sunday night and honestly the saddest game of the week might be the monday night football matchup uh, doing this no favors in prime time. But there are three games on Thanksgiving Day. All six teams come into Thanksgiving having lost the week before. Um, so they all have something to prove. Uh, the first game of the day is by far the worst. Uh, the one that I, you know, the, the the afternoon game in Dallas and the night game in New Orleans both have some potential. But I'm going to go with Dallas. The Raiders have lost three straight. They were once atop the AFC West. Now they're tied for last place. They're quickly falling out of the playoff race. The Dallas Cowboys, meanwhile, have lost two of three. They're beat up a little bit, but they always play well at home on Thanksgiving Day. I think this is a Pivotal matchup for both teams, and I'm curious to see how they respond. Um, 
plus, you know, love me some Cowboys. So that is the game I'm going to highlight on Thanksgiving Day. And that's usually the most prime window when people are like rolling away from the table looking for some place to lay down and recover before they have seven different kinds of pie. Uh, the early window game Sunday has some incredible matchups. I'll have my Friday five that comes out on Friday. I didn't even include the Sunday night game this week because there are so many good early and late games. But the best of the early window games is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seven and three at the Indianapolis Colts six and five. This is strength on strength. Jonathan Taylor is the number one running back in fantasy football through 11 weeks. Tampa Bay has an incredible defensive front and they have been very stout against the run. We saw what they did to Saquon Barkley on Monday night. Both these teams come in in pretty good shape. The Colts are red hot. The Buccaneers look like they're rounding into form, getting ready to make a playoff run. This has huge playoff implications and I am pumped to see what Jonathan Taylor does against that defense. That's going to be a huge matchup. The late window game, the Los Angeles Rams lost two in a row before going into the bye. They come off the bye and they go to Green Bay. They're seven and three. The Packers are eight and three. This is two teams that have very big playoff aspirations. Should be a great matchup between Matthew Stafford, who's played the Packers a ton of times when he was with the Lions, and Aaron Rodgers. Odell Beckham Jr. has had a couple of weeks to work into that offense. No more Robert Woods, so they're going to need him. Can that Rams defense round back into shape with the addition of Von Miller alongside Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey? And for the Packers, they're not going to have Aaron Jones again, it looks like. So what can we get from A.J. Dillon? Last week, huge week for MVS. Can Rodgers get those receivers going? I think this has the potential to be a really fun matchup. There are only three late window games on Sunday, and all three of them are crucial playoff matchups. The other ones are the Chargers at the Broncos and the Vikings at the 49ers. So a lot of intrigue Sunday afternoon, even though we only have a couple games. The Sunday night game, Cleveland Browns, 6-5. and five. Baltimore Ravens are 7-3. and three. The Ravens managed to get a win last week with Tyler Huntley at center or at quarterback looks like Lamar Jackson should be back I don't know what to make of that backfield it looks like a resurgence of Devonta Freeman if by resurgence you mean a borderline RB3 the Browns have looked really bad um, especially in that passing game Baker Mayfield is in a tough stretch I love Nick Chubb but I don't know what to expect last year the primetime game between the Browns and the Ravens was one of the most iconic games of the 2020 season. Maybe we get that. I think we're going to see something more in the 20s here. And then the Monday night game, honestly, if you need to do some Cyber Monday shopping, if you want to roll out and see a good movie, uh, you know, after you've listened to the Music City Drive-In with two incredible co-hosts that airs this, this coming weekend, you could skip it because it's the three and seven anemic Seahawks. The most exciting thing about the Seahawks is that they almost made their coach cry in a post-game press conference because he realized how bad of a job he's doing. Uh, Russell Wilson looks like he's already mentally checked out on the season. Um, and then they're playing Washington. Washington's an enigma. Their defense has been a little bit better without Chase Young, which almost defies expectation. They're four and six. It's potential they could claw back into the NFC playoff race. I mean, we saw them do the same thing last year. I tend to think that, um, you know, Ricky may not agree, but that the Eagles are actually in a better uh, position to be the second team out of the NFC East into the playoffs. I think they're going to beat the Giants this week and go to six and six. But Washington has something to play for. The Seahawks, 
you know, if they lose this game, they're pretty well out of it. They're one and four at home. They have looked dreadful. I think this could be a horrific Monday night game. So, again, if you have other Monday plans, no one's going to blame you for sitting this one out. Yeah, I. Uh, it's, a, it's a really strong week for games. It really is. I don't think the games tomorrow here on Thanksgiving are going to be all that grand. Um, I'm not looking forward to the Red Rifle taking on golf our golf or Tim Boyle. I don't care. It does look like golf is tracking to play, which yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So I I don't even really know where to go with that because I'm not sure I necessarily love that matchup for these guys. But um, for me, for my bets for the week, I do like the bears tomorrow night. It is the lions. And I understand that maybe the lions could win, but you know what? I don't know. I believe in Andy Dalton winning this football game. Maybe a little Matt Nagy farewell for him as we uh, it is presumed that he is going to potentially be fired after this game. This is his last coach game of his probably presumably his NFL career, um, unless the Jets randomly hire him in like five years because, you know, I don't know, Adam Gase. But I do like the Bears minus three. Uh, the Lions have lost each of their last eight games at Ford Field, um, and the road team has covered the spread in six straight. I personally I like the Raiders plus seven. I don't think the Raiders win this football game, but I don't think it's going to be as uh, a blowout or anything like this. This seven-point line is a lot of points, and especially considering Dallas Mate is already going to be out without Cooper, and they might be without Lamb. If that's the case, I understand they have weapons, and I understand they have the offense. It could rely heavier on that run game, and I do think that it's possible, but the, the, the secondary and the defense has not been great for Dallas this year. And I think Carr can kind of expose that with the weapons they do, do that they do have with the Raiders. Also, another one that I really like, I, this is crazy to me. The Bills line opened at minus three for the Bills. Opened at minus three for the Bills. It is now up to minus six and a half. It's up three and a half more points from the first time I saw the line. And I actually bet the line at minus three. And that's the bet that I was going to go with. But with the bet no longer being there, I do believe that the Bills are going to win this football game. And I do believe that it's more than likely going to be the type of game where they blow them out. But, however, I will say this, that I'm going to change my bet to the Bills minus one in the first quarter. Okay, so that means they have to win the first quarter by just a point. And I like that because it's plus 100. Now, as far as the other bets go, I do like the Raiders as well, plus three and a half in the first quarter. I don't think that they're going to uh, lose that first quarter. And I like the plus three and a half. It gives us a little bit of points and within the field goal as well. Now for Sunday, I'm going to shock shock the world here with one of my Sunday picks. I love the Tennessee Titans plus seven. I don't understand. Look, I understand they're coming off of a loss, an embarrassing loss that I predicted on this podcast last week. But other than that, damn you, Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Love me some Tyrod, baby. Love me some Tyrod. Um, But the Titans plus seven, the Patriots are good. And they're playing like a well-oiled machine, but I just don't believe this team should be seven-point favorites. They're not. They're six and a half. I'm buying a half a point here, but I do not believe that this team is that good to be this big of a favorite, even without Henry, even without um, Julio, and the and the whole team that's hurt over here in Tennessee. But plus seven, give me the Titans. And they say I don't like the Titans on this podcast. They say I don't. Well, you, I still, think- you still don't. <laughs> I still think Tannehill sucks, but that's a side of what. And four interceptions against the the, uh, the Texans will do that to you. Um, another thing that I just can't quit, 
I can't quit this team. I don't know why. Yes, I'm betting on the Panthers again. <laughs> and yes, they burnt me last week, and I don't even know how. But the, I'm betting on the money line. I'm not betting the spread. It's minus two. But the money line's at minus 130. I like it a whole lot. Um, also, another thing that I like, I love, love, love the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend. Okay? They're, they're plus four and a half on the road. And I know that that is a little bit rough. Okay? And I do think the Bengals are good. However, I love the plus four and a half because I think that this is a field goal game, no matter what. It's a field goal game. So I'm getting the point and a half over there. Now, throw this in, effect of this in for a second here, guys. That money line is plus 175. I'm going to sprinkle. I'm not telling you to bet it. Maybe sprinkle a little bit on that money line of the Steelers. But I like the Steelers plus four and a half. And another, another bet that I like in that game, the Steelers over two and a half touchdowns. I like that bet a whole lot. I do think that they can score that three touchdowns. And right now, as of this moment, you're getting it plus 140 for them to score three touchdowns in that game. That Bengals defense has improved, but getting three touchdowns, that's not too many against this team that I think that this could be. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, but I do think that it's going to be, like I said, you're looking at 24-21 game either way, right? You know what I mean? Whoever wins the game, I think we're looking at that that three-point window of one of these teams winning, which obviously favors our plus four and a half and then also favors that over two and a half touchdowns. So to recap real quick, Bears minus three, uh, Raiders plus seven. I like the Bills in the first quarter minus one, the Raiders plus three and a half in the first quarter. And then for the Sunday slate, I like the Titans plus seven, Panthers money line, Steelers over two and a half touchdowns and Steelers plus four and a half. So that's a lot of bets. Um, I went a little crazy this week just because of the Thanksgiving games, but um, that's eight bets for you this week. So that's the most I've given out on this show. So probably be one of those weeks where I go two and six or something like that, just because I decided to go a little bit crazy and give you guys a lot more bets than I normally do. With that being said, we're going to transition over to our start and sit segment of the show where Matthew Fox is going to highlight some guys that you should start this week and some guys that we should sit in the world of fantasy football. And like I said, I've got some plays in the world of DFS that I like within this start-sit segment. Matthew Fox, I'll let you kick it off with your starts for the week. Yeah, so uh, my first start, I'm going with Kirk Cousins at uh, quarterback. You know, Cousins has been going pretty strong. When I thought the Vikings were going to play themselves out of the playoff race, they came back. They beat the Chargers in Los Angeles. They beat the Packers last week. Cousins actually outdueled Aaron Rodgers. Playing the 49ers this week, two teams that are red hot. Both got back to 5-5. Five and five. I think this is going to be a fun offensive game. So I like Captain Kirk as a low-end QB1 start. I am starting Jonathan Taylor this week. I know the Tampa Bay defense is front, but it front is strong. We thought Buffalo's defensive front would be strong, and Jonathan Taylor went for 200 total yards and five touchdowns. I think he can still be in the RB1 range, but at worst case, I think he ends up as an RB2. I'm keeping him in my lineup. I believe in him. He is going great guns, and Frank Reich finally remembered that he's part of the team. My wide receiver start is Jalen Waddell. Um, he has – Good chemistry with Tua. He seems to be the most consistently targeted receiver. That offense is doing a little better. The defense is doing better. I actually picked the Dolphins to upset Carolina. My full picks will come out uh, tomorrow, but I picked the Dolphins over Carolina. 
I just don't like the energy for the Panthers. I think they're going to fade away a little bit down the stretch here. Uh, and the Dolphins' defense, again, is rounding into shape. My tight end start is Dalton Schultz. I don't think CeeDee Lamb plays. He's technically questionable, but he was in the non-contact jersey even yesterday. We haven't gotten the practice reports today. But I think Dallas is thinking long-term, and I don't know that they need Cooper and Lamb necessarily. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Say big in all fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Necessarily to beat the Raiders the way the Raiders are playing. I think you're going to get a good game from Gallup. I think you're going to get plenty of Zeke and Tony Pollard. But Dalton Schultz has had good chemistry with Dak all season long. I think they will lean on him more with both those receivers out. And he will have a good Thanksgiving day at home. Yeah, I like Wilson this week as well. I, think, I like Cedric Wilson as a sneaky little play if Lamb is 100% out because they're going to have to throw the ball to something. And I think that this could still be a very much high-scoring game. You know what I mean? Dallas's defense is playing decent, but they're not playing that great. You know what I mean? So, And I do think that the, the, the Raiders can score points. So if you're looking for a desperate start tomorrow or you're, you're, you're out a Lamb or you're out a Cooper, you're out one of these guys that's hurt, you know, this is definitely kind of the week. Um, for me, this starts this week. I like Mac Jones against Tennessee. He's only 5,400 on DraftKings. Tennessee's defense is not good. Surprisingly, you can pass on this defense, like we've said all along. Obviously, they didn't pass that well this past week, but the game was wet. But Tyrod Taylor still found the end zone twice. Running back plays. I like Tevin Coleman versus the Texans. He's only $4,000 this week. Um, and he's going to get the starter share of the load because Michael Carter is out now four to six weeks, which is depressing because I love me some Michael Carter. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, it might be a thing, but you know what? I'm I'm buying Coleman at four thousand right now. Uh, Chris Godwin versus the Colts, only seven thousand dollars, which I understand that's a lot of money. But this week, I love him. I love this game uh, a lot. I, I I lean that it's going to be close, but in my head, I think that this might be a little bit farther apart than what we are going to expect to see. I think the Colts are kind of due, and I think that the the defense for the Bucks can really. Um, draw some stuff up where they kind of throw Wentz off of his game and he throws a pair of interceptions, which if you're going to throw a pair of interceptions, it's not against the Bucs. You can't do that. You're not going to win football games against this team by throwing interceptions. So I like Godwin this week as a smash play. And then my tight end play for the week is Evan Ingram at 3,800. The targets have been there. The offense has kind of been lackluster, but maybe we see something different from this offense this week with Jason Garrett gone. I don't know if we will or not, but at 3,800, you really don't need a whole lot out of him to pay off that price. So those are the guys that I like. Transitioning into my sits for the week, I've got a Carson Wentz on my sit this week. Obviously, I understand if some of you guys are playing in certain leagues where I um, – you highlight guys that you might need, and you might need to start once this week. You might be in the two-quarterback league, but if there's other options, I say do it. I just don't believe that he's going to have a good enough game to justify his his uh, his actions. And if, especially if you're in the Scott Fishbowl, um, you might not want to start him this week because of all those negative points. Prescott got me negative five points last week. Thanks, Dak. And I still managed to win somehow. I don't know how I did, but I still Even in non-Scott Fishbowl scoring, I think Dak got like less than two points. Exactly. 
And then as far as my sits goes, and again, reminder, um, this is for DFS purposes because obviously you're probably going to start these guys regardless in in fantasy football. But I don't like Dalvin Cook at his price versus the 49ers, and I don't like Adam Thielen at his price versus the 49ers. I think that they could have decent games, but just paying up, I think there's other options that you can buy at these specific price tags. So I don't like either one of those guys this week. And that's my starts and sits in the world of DFS. What you got for your sits this week, Mr. Fox? Yeah, so my sit at quarterback is Russell Wilson. He has looked dreadful coming back. I know the temptation would be, well, he'll get right. Washington, playing Washington. Washington's defense has been better the last two weeks. Washington's defense held down a pretty hot Tom Brady. Um, they they got a win last week. Russell Wilson looks totally out of sync. I don't know if it's the finger or if he's just giving his team the floppy finger as they round out the season, but I do not have any confidence. I have him all the way at QB 16. Maybe you're playing him in super flex, but if you're in a one quarterback league, you probably have better options. Uh, the next two are actually groups for me. Uh, my running back sit is the Titans running backs. Uh, just about the time I thought, well, maybe Deonta Foreman is interesting. They gave Adrian Peterson the bulk of the carries and he had the bulk of the yardage, and then they just outright released him. So it could be Deonta Foreman, could be Dontrell Hilliard, could be Jeremy McNichols. I will never know because none of them are touching my lineup. My wide receiver sit is the, the New York Giants wide receiver group. I am curious to see what happens with Freddie Kitchens coming in and taking over the play calling duties in New York. He ran a very up-tempo scheme when he stepped into a similar situation a few years ago with the Cleveland Browns. That was actually Baker's rookie season, probably the best season we've seen from him. Maybe he can do something with Daniel Jones, but they have... Sterling Shepard tracking to be back, Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton. Somebody's going to have a decent game. Somebody's going to have a dreadful game. A couple people probably have marginal games. Good luck picking which one. I'm just staying away from that group until we can see something in the neighborhood of a trend. I love Kenny Galladay's talent, but honestly, the dude had one catch for 12 yards last week. I'm not convinced he's getting the volume. Slayton can't seem to hold on to the ball. Shepard can't stay on the field, and they don't know what the hell to do with Kadarius Toney. So, until we get some clarity, I'm staying away. And then my tight end sit is Cole Komet. I liked what he was doing with Justin Fields before they went on the bye. Last week when Andy Dalton transitioned in, he wasn't really a big part of the game plan. I personally think that Bears-Lions game is going to be dreadful and low scoring, even with Dalton. I think Dalton's much more likely to use his running backs and Darnell Mooney. It's also possible Allen Robinson plays tomorrow. So they're going to go more to receivers. I mean, last week he used Marquise Goodwin. Uh, as a receiver out there to catch a touchdown. So I'm staying away from Cole Komet. I have him as a mid-tier tight end too, and that's really just not good enough in most leagues to warrant playing him. Yeah, there's just – this is the – I don't – like this season has been crazy, right? You know what I mean? Like it's been a strange season as a collective whole. So it's going to be – it's been kind of interesting trying to find certain things to try to take advantage of and, and get ahead of the game, if you know what I mean. So it, it's it's definitely kind of hard to see – um, kind of what's ahead and what we're going to plan for this week. But with that being said, hang on a second. We got one comment in the comment section. Sorry. All right. Set my lineup as of right now. Wide receiver one, Evans, Gallup, Mooney, Bench. I have Ayuk, Josh Jacobs available. So um, I actually probably would play Ayuk over Darnell Mooney because the 49ers passing game has been going great guns. And we saw the Vikings get torched. Ayuk 
actually led the team in targets last week. They're using Samuel in a hybrid role. But Samuel, Ayuk, and Kittle all had touchdowns last week. I like that better. The other thing I would watch if you're considering playing Darnell Mooney is he popped up on the injury report with the gimpy ankle. He's probably going to play, but that would be, um, you know, since that game's early tomorrow morning and people will probably have other things going on. You need to keep an eye on that if you have them in there because the worst thing would be to get a surprise inactive and to eat a zero on Thursday morning starting out the week. So I would probably flip Ayuk and Mooney anyway. Um, but if you are going to play Mooney, that's something to watch out for. Absolutely. Um, all right. So with that being said, I also don't really love the idea of starting off my week on Thursday with three games and then just staring at those duds for the entire week. So you know, bad. when it used to be Calvin Johnson on Thanksgiving, and were those some great, you know, like you have that Megatron game where he catches seven balls for 115 yards and three touchdowns, and you roll out of the first game on Thursday. But I do know what you're talking about. Last year I played a lot of Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, and um, I felt sadness. Yeah, much sadness. Much, 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 much sadness. All right, so with that being said, we're going to transition over to our favorite segment each and every week, which, again, all of our segments are our favorite. But with that being said, we're going to switch over to the movie corner where we talk about some rec- movie recommendations for the week, what we think you should check out in theaters, what you should check out at home. Um, there's several recommendations I like to start off with. The one starting off with Netflix, I highly recommend checking out the Kevin Hartney show, True Story. I Look, I, I'm, I will admit right off the top that I am a Kevin Hart fan. I love Kevin Hart. I think that he's hilarious. I love all of his work. I think his stand-ups are classic, and a lot of his comedy works for me, and I know it doesn't work for everybody, which it is what it is. But for me, True Story was something different from him, but I think what really kind of stood out was was the chemistry that him and, and Wesley Snipes had in the entire show. I watched all seven episodes. I think it was like last week and I binged them all. Like in a, it was that good. Like to me, it was, it was different to see from him. And he was, I know he's trying to prove a point with, yes, I can act seriously, which it's true. I mean, if you've seen some of, I loved him in uh, fatherhood and I thought he was very lighthearted in the movie he did with Brian Cranston. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of that movie off the top of my head and I can't think of it. Uh, yeah. That was a remake of a French film actually. Whatever that was, look back. But yeah, I enjoyed him in that. It was, he was a little still lighthearted in this, but this one was, it has some laughs, but overall it's a very seriously toned movie, our t- TV show. And I really, really can't recommend it enough. I, I loved it a whole lot. And I think that there's a lot of good moments. The supporting cast is really good as well. Theo Ross, I, who I loved from uh, Sons of Anarchy is in it as well. Um, another recommendation on Netflix, Bruised. I was, we were talking about this before you got on the air. You haven't finished it quite, I don't think, but it's 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 a, it's a watchable movie, right? You know what I mean? It's not a groundbreaking movie, but if you're an average everyday movie lover or movie person, you just want to turn on a movie that's easy to watch. This is the type of movie for you. What you got? Oh, and of course, in theaters starting today, yesterday probably because the early showings was House of Gucci. Um, we are going to be doing a special Music City Drive-In podcast focused around House of Gucci, which you'll be able to check out as of probably Friday morning. So, um, Fox, what you got for on the recommendation sheet this week? Yeah, and Hawkeye launches uh, today on Disney+. Plus. I know you enjoyed the pilot episode. It's always good to get some MCU stuff back in there. But um, the big movie last week that should be probably number one still at the box office this week is Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
if you are a fan of the Ghostbusters franchise, I highly recommend checking this out. This is actually my favorite of the four Ghostbusters movies we've gotten theatrically. I thought it was just a lovingly nostalgic blast. Um, I love the new characters. Jason Reitman is a filmmaker who I really, really dearly love his early stuff. His first three films are right up there for me. Up in the Air is one of my favorite films of all time. I thought he did a beautiful job of creating characters, a great blend of humor and comedy. I I had a blast watching this movie. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great one to go. Uh, it's especially this is a time where you spend a lot of time with family. And if you're going as families, I think that's worth checking out. Yeah, I uh, I still haven't seen it yet. Um, I still haven't seen it yet. I am. Uh, I was supposed to go see it Friday. Some stuff popped up, so I just I'm not the I'm not the biggest Ghostbuster person in the world. And it's not that it's not. There's nothing wrong with the movies. I just I've always you know kind of leaned elsewhere with some movies, and I'm kind of like whatever on them. I do anticipate finally seeing it. It's between that one and I haven't seen. I still haven't seen No Time to Die yet. But I think I just haven't seen that because it's like nine hours long. But that's the reason yeah, why I haven't seen both that. those are my top ten currently for the year. No Time to Die, um, you know, if you're a James Bond fan, I, I really enjoyed that. Another one that um, both both that and Ghostbusters probably caught me a little off guard with the emotional with response that they drew out. Um, there's some some real family stuff even in the in No Time to Die, um, and it's kind of a beautiful send off for Daniel Craig's Bond. Um, and Ghostbusters kind of a beautiful, they dedicated it to Harold Ramis, who co-wrote the original, was a producer, was Egon. Uh, he passed away in 2014. Um, so, you know, some real, both of those have some real emotional beats that, that worked for me. I feel you. I just, I love Daniel Craig as Bond. I just, I, I'm struggling with the whole, you know, how long the show, how long the, uh, <laughs> How long the movie is? You know spare I mean? three three hours for a spy thriller. Yeah, exactly. Like they did just you know it's longer it, than House of Gucci. Exactly. I mean, in House of Gucci, feels you feel every bit of that length of that movie, even though I did. Especially when you're old AF like me, and you go to a seven thirty p.m. showing, even though you typically are in bed at eight forty five every night. Exactly. I was like, yeah. I was like, like Job from Arrested Development. I've made a horrible mistake. Exactly. These movies, like some of these movies, like they just, they could use some cut down. I mean, that's a, Belfast, a beautiful 97 minutes. Oh my God. It, I loved Belfast so much. And uh, which is another recommendation I can throw out there. Um, if you have not checked out the, um, if you have not checked out King Richard, um, I, high, I can't recommend that movie enough. I absolutely adore that movie. I rewatched it this weekend and I really, really, really love it. Um, Denzel gives one of my or Denzel Will Smith gives one of my. I, I had Denzel in my mind because what I was going to say was is Will Smith gives one of my favorite performances of the year and he's probably going to win the Oscar, but Denzel deserves it for his performance in Tragedy Macbeth. But my my brain is mush, guys. My brain is mush. Um, so yeah, I don't even really know what to follow that up with because that was just embarrassing. But uh, I love Denzel though. I think Denzel is one of the greatest actors of all time. So. Uh, uh, I, I like King Richard too. My uh, my movie review roundup will come out a little bit later this afternoon. Um, I, I liked that one. I gave it three and a half. Yeah, I really like it. It's currently sitting in my top 10, I think. I think it's sitting in my top 10. I, I, I just really love the story a whole lot. And I think that the, the emotional weight that it had in the film 
um, was beautiful. Um, yeah, it is a month. It's number 10 right now. I don't know how long it'll be there because obviously next Tuesday I'm seeing Don't Look Up, which will possibly maybe enter my top 10. Who knows? I love Adam McKay. I love his work and I don't really don't care. I like Vice. So anybody that hated it, oh well. Um, I like Vice and I also loved The Big Short. So two, two, two very phenomenal movies. Uh, Big Short is light years better, obviously, on the grand scheme of things. Big, Big Short was one of the best movies that came out that year. But enough with the rambling. We appreciate you checking out the podcast. Um, if you listen, we thank you so much each week for listening to the show. You can follow Matthew Fox on Twitter at Nighthawk7734. Give myself a follow at Ricky Blair underscore. Check out the other shows on the Drive-In Podcast Network, including the Uncut Podcast, where they host, sit down and talk to wrestlers across the world. Um, you can also check out the Film Optics Podcast, the Now Showing Podcast, as well as the 50 Years of Music, which is hands down one of my favorite podcasts to listen to each and every week. Those guys are hilarious. Um, I still, I, I just feel like their show should be like, they should have been like way past the drive-in podcast network like a year ago. Like they sh- these guys are so good at what they do. And I think they're funny. They're charming. And I just love their show so much. But with that being said, head on over to the musiccitydrivein.com to check out all the articles from our sports writing team that are being pumped out every week. And then of course you can check out the 1.3 million articles that Matthew Fox and I are pumping out <laughs> each week as well. So thank We're you. on so- the daily writing plan anyway. Exactly. So thank you guys for listening to the show and make sure to tune in to the special episode of the Music City Drive-In this week as Matthew Fox and I discuss our love or hate for the House of Gucci.